So we're going to take a break from Exodus for a few weeks as we get ready to celebrate 40 years. July, this month, Christ Fellowship is 40 years old. Now, there's lots of churches older than that. But I think it's important for us to mark milestones in our lives and in our existence. And so that's what we want to do. So I want to talk to you about our past, our present, and our future. And I want to take some time in um, this week and next week um, and the following weeks to, to talk about our past, our present, and our future. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 is a scripture that we have used in association with our celebration of 40 years. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Father, we ask that you would, by your grace, by your mercy, and by the power of your Spirit, do a work in our hearts and do a work in our minds. Lord, our faith in you is not to be static, it's not to be stale, it's to be active, it's to be living. It should move us in every way possible, and it should move us for and toward your glory. Father, do great things in your people at Christ Fellowship Church. I ask that you would do that for your glory. I ask that you would do that even when we may not be expecting it ourselves, even when we are overwhelmed perhaps by our own situations and our own circumstances. God, work and move and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Christ Fellowship Church turns 40 years old this month. Uh, this scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, speaks of God's promise. It highlights God's promise to a thousand generations. And we saw this even when we studied the Ten Commandments, the commandment that says don't have for yourself any graven images. And it goes on, it says, I'm a jealous God. I'll visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation, but grace and mercy to the thousands. That's not to the thousands of people, but that is to the thousands of generations. And so God, when he speaks of his promises to his people, he speaks with a long range, a great vision. Not, he doesn't speak in terms of short windows and short snapshots. He speaks in terms of a long-term and a long-range vision. So thousands of generations. CFC has completed 40 years. In the Bible, we see the scripture often uses 40 years to 
define a generation. And if God has made a promise to thousands of generations, we, that means we have a lot of promise left. And this is what I want you to know as a church, and that's you. The church isn't me. The church isn't just the leadership. The church isn't this building. You are the church. We are the church. And when God makes a promise to thousands of generations, that means that there is a lot of promise left. And there is a lot of God's promise to be fulfilled in the coming generations. We see this period of 40 years very often in the biblical record as a period of time that God uses as preparation for his people. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. One generation passed, another generation was raised up. In one sense, that 40 years was an end, but it was also a beginning we see that for 40 years they ate manna in the wilderness. For 40 years their garments didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.4. David reigned Israel over Israel for 40 years. Solomon reigned over Israel for 40 years. Moses was 40 years old when it came into his heart to go and visit his people. And he subsequently fled Egypt and it was 40 years later that God appeared to him in a burning bush and sent him back to Egypt. God prepares and leads his people for his purpose. God continually brings us into the newness of his purpose. It's just like the day. The day ends but at the end of every day comes another beginning. The beginning of the purpose for that day. For Christ Fellowship, 40 years marks another beginning as we look ahead to our future. 40 years marks a bright continuation of God's work in our congregation, in our community, and beyond through the generations. We believe God's promise to a thousand generations and each generation of Christ fellowship is part of that promise. And as we celebrate, as we prepare to celebrate 40 years, I want us to consider Christ fellowship church, its mission and its future. So we don't celebrate 40 years so that we can rest on our past laurels. We're not celebrating 40 years so we can say, look what, look, look what was. Really, we mark 40 years so that we can say, look what will be. We learn from the past. We remember the past. We honor the past. But we are always looking forward and we are always moving ahead. So we look ahead with a commitment to the Lord and and his purpose for future generations. Are you with me, church? I was recently asked to convey the mission of Christ Fellowship Church, as well as our strategic goals for the next five or so years. 
and I was, I received this uh, as uh, this request came in, ter in terms of an email. And the context of this is in the context of the project. Remember, we, I told you, we, we voted and we unanimously decided that we were going to donate the use of our land for the utilization of a collaborative community center that would provide wraparound care, holistic care, spirit, soul, and body to the people of East Williamson County and beyond. And that, that project, that effort is ongoing. I have a meeting every week now with a collaboration of partners and we're working to make this a reality. We've been invited to apply for two specific grants that total $300,000 for planning purposes. So this is not a quick thing that's gonna happen. This is a process. And in the process of this, You have all of these various partners that have come together and we need to know what these partners, what, why are you doing this? And so the facilitator trying to help everybody come together and work together and move forward together asked this question. So I want to share with you, because I think it's appropriate, it was very appropriate, the timing of it, as I was thinking about our 40 years. We're 40 years old. And what do we do with that? Do we just mark that and then go on and, and we'll just see what happens the next 40 years? Or are we going to be more purposeful, more focused, more faithful, so that when we mark the next 40 years, when we're 80 years old, are we going to be able to look back and see that the leadership of Christ's fellowship took seriously, that the people who are Christ's fellowship took seriously their mandate from God to carry out his purpose? So I want to share with you what I responded to when asked this question, what is the mission and what are the strategic goals that you have for Christ Fellowship Church? Now, I want to state this clearly before I get into this and, and, and list these things out and discuss them for you. And we're not going to do this all today. We're going to begin this conversation today. But I want to make this really clear that the ultimate reason and the ultimate end of all that we do of who we are, of our mission, and any goal or any strategy. In fact, our very existence is for the glory of God. That is to always be explicitly understood whether it is explicitly stated. Christ Fellowship Church exists. We exist. You exist personally, individually, for the glory of God. Our motto here, Christ in all of life for all the world. We, on purpose, put that front and center. 
we on purpose made that as big as we could because you should see that every week and it should inspire you, it should challenge you, it should motivate you. This is the motto we live by. We've made that front and center for a reason. It is to remind us why we are here and who we serve. The mission of Christ Fellowship Church, it's on our website, but do you know what our stated mission is? Our stated mission is to reach people and disciple them to become mature followers of Christ, to reach people and disciple them to become mature followers of Christ. Now, when I responded, and they asked what the mission of Christ Fellowship Church was, that's exactly what I told them. This is our mission. We have health care providers and mental health care providers and people who provide meals for the homeless, I mean, for, the, for seniors, and they feed the homeless also. We have a food pantry. We have Head Start, early childhood development. We have all of these people coming together at this table. And they all have their own mission. But the mission of Christ Fellowship Church, I promise you, is unique from the mission of any of those other agencies or organizations. We do not exist to feed people. We do not exist to clothe people. We do not exist to make sure people have a home. We don't exist to make sure people have an income. We don't exist to make sure people... are successful in life, unless you define success in a very specific way. Because this is how we define success. Success is becoming a mature follower of Jesus Christ. That's really how we define success. Now, all those other things go into life, and they're necessary parts of our life. But not any of those things individually are put together are going to determine our eternal destiny. Ansi, whether you have a car or not, is not going to determine your eternal destiny. What you die of, and when you die, is not going to determine your eternal destiny. Your bank account is not going to determine your eternal destiny. Your income is not going to determine your eternal destiny. But whether you know Christ, whether you are his disciple, whether he lives in you and you live in him will absolutely determine your eternal destiny. And the mission of the church, the mission specifically of Christ's fellowship is to reach people and disciple them to become mature followers of Christ. How do we do that? We do that together, connecting, sharing, growing. This is how we fulfill our mission. We don't do it individually, isolated from one another. We do it together. We don't do it in a disconnected way. We do it connected together. We don't do it for ourselves, hoarding to ourselves, holding to ourselves. We do it sharing life with one another. And that Togetherness, that connectedness, and that sharing 
must produce growth. If we are not growing, there's a problem. Now, I'm not talking about just numerical growth. I don't know how many people we have in this room here today, but here's what I do know. Jesus had 12 disciples, and one of them was a devil, the Bible says. He had 12 disciples. One of them was a betrayer, a thief, the son of perdition. He had 11 for him and one against him. And with those 12 disciples, including the betrayer, Jesus literally changed the world. Do you think we could impact our community with what we have here at Christ Fellowship Church? If you don't believe we can, I'm going to challenge you to grow in your faith. Because if we can't impact, if we can't impact our community, and when I say community, I don't just mean the city limits of Taylor. I mean the communities you live in. You, there is a work community you live in. There is a family community you live in. There is a city a community you live in. We should affect our communities in every way. And we as a people of God, we as Christ Fellowship should impact our communities. That's why we're here. We're here for the glory of God. We're here to make a difference. Together, connecting, sharing, growing. It's how we fulfill our mission. This defines who we are as a people and it defines how we are to accomplish what God has purposed for us. So I want to give you, as an outline, six strategic goals for Christ Fellowship Church. Number one is this, to strengthen our cohesiveness in belief and practice. Number two is to strengthen and increase our leadership internally and externally. Number three is to increase our capacity to serve one another and the families in our communities. Number four is to increase community engagement in order to affect community transformation. Number five is to strengthen and establish fruitful relationships with existing and new partners. I sit around a table with a group of partners each week. Some of them are people that I've been in partnership with for many years. Some of them are brand new. But they're going to each play a part to affect community transformation. Now, they might not be thinking of it in gospel terms. They might just be thinking of it in terms of their own agency and what they bring. One agency that deals with seniors, the aged, helping them. One agency that deals with feeding hungry people. One agency that, that helps families. One agency that helps people that are mentally or emotionally challenged. Another agency that helps people that have physical needs, health care needs. But the church is there 
Because the church, above all of that, understands that if we are not gospel-centered in everything we do, we're really not accomplishing anything. Because if we help people gain the whole world, but they lose their very own soul, what have they gained? They've gained nothing, and they've lost everything. Number six is to expand our ministry to the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. James says, hey, if your brother comes to you in need, and you just say to him, well, God bless you, and you send him off, James says, you haven't really done anything. But if our brother comes to us in need, and we say, here, let me give you all this food and all these clothing, and let me give you some money, and he walks away clothed and warm and full, but he is still empty spiritually, we've done nothing. That may be even the worst thing that we could possibly do. So I want to give you some key definitions. There's a key word in each of these six strategies, strategic goals. The first, cohesiveness. Remember? Remember what the first one was? The first one was that we would be cohesive in our belief and in our practice. Cohesiveness is the quality of forming a united whole. We must be united in belief and in practice. One of the ways that we become united in belief is by coming and hearing the gospel preached and hearing the gospel taught. It's coming Sunday morning. It's coming Wednesday night. It's joining in and becoming a part of when we do that, we are becoming cohesive in our belief, but we can't just be cohesive in our belief. We've got to become cohesive in our practice as well. So cohesiveness is the quality of forming a united whole. Leadership. Leadership is self-explanatory. It's essential for our future. We must raise up leaders to carry on the work of God through the generations. That does not happen accidentally. It happens with purpose. And we've got to be a church that purposefully raises up leaders. Capacity. To increase our capacity to serve one another and the families in our community. Capacity is the ability or the power to do, experience, or understand something. Capacity is more than just you getting a bunch of knowledge. Capacity is you being able to, to hear, to receive, to take that knowledge, assimilate that knowledge, and then apply that knowledge. Your capacity to apply knowledge, some people would call that wisdom, is not something, you're, you're not just born, you either have it or you don't. It's something that you can grow and develop. Just like our little children, they're born with everything necessary to walk, to run, to ride bikes, to do all kinds of things, but they have to grow into that. They have to apply themselves. They have to to learn and grow, well, it's the same way with all of us. As a church, we need to increase our capacity to do what God has called us to do. 
Engagement, to increase community engagement to affect community transformation. Listen, if, if we just come here on Sunday mornings and we hear the gospel preach, we have a nice gospel message, we have a great time at church, and then we just leave that here and it doesn't impact the way we love our spouses or the way we raise our children or the way we do our jobs or the way we interact with other people, if that gospel doesn't spill over from us to those around us, there will never be any transformation that takes place in our community. Transforming a community is not just about finding more good works to do. That's not it at all. Good works don't transform a community. Gospel transforms a community. The church is uniquely equipped. The church is uniquely called to bring about transformation through the gospel. Those people I sit at the table with every week, their, their mission is not the gospel. Our mission is the gospel. And what we have to do as a church is learn how to tap into resources that other people have and to take those things, center them in the gospel and use the power of the gospel to bring about community transformation. If we're not engaged in our communities, if we're not engaged within this fellowship right here, there needs to be engagement within the church. If there's not engagement within the church, there's never going to be engagement in our community. Relationships, to strengthen and establish fruitful relationships with existing and new partners. Relationship is the state of being connected. Remember, together, connected, sharing, growing. Relationships are about connection. Think about the relationship your hand or your foot has with your body. Aren't you thankful for it? Because if there wasn't a relationship between your body and your hand or your body and your foot, if there was a disconnection there, there'd be real problems. Yet we see disconnection within the church and we see disconnection within our community. We don't, we don't see that as a problem. In fact, sometimes we pride ourselves in our ability to, to not be connected and we're happy with isolation, but that's not healthy. That does not promote growth, and that certainly will not affect transformation within the church or without. So relationships are important. Ministry, to expand our ministry to the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. Ministry simply means service, we must expand our service to the whole person. We can't just do it to one. We need to do it to the whole. And our ministering, like all things, must be centered in the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission. When we started Shepherd's Heart in our congregation back in 2000, we started Shepherd's Heart and we said we're going to feed people we're going to clothe people, and we're going to help people with temporary shelter. And we're going to do this as a means to 
have an open door into their life to be able to reach into their life and give them what they really need, not food, not clothing, not shelter, but to give them Jesus. We can't lose that. We can't lose sight of that. The church is here to give Jesus to the world. The church is here to show the world Jesus. We are his body. We are created in his image. He is the head. We are the body. People say, well, I, I just wish I could see Jesus. Well, look around you. Here is his body. We're going to get ready and come to the table in just a moment. And we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup that represent his body and his blood. We had a wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning and Caleb expounded on this in a way that, that is really important for us to understand. That bread and that cup does not literally become the body, the flesh, and the blood of Jesus, but that bread and that cup is more than just an empty symbol. It represents something real and living and powerful. And what's real and living and powerful that that table represents is seated in these chairs. You are his flesh and his blood. You are his body in the earth. We are tasked with making him known. You are not your own. You belong to Jesus if you have been redeemed by his blood. So we're going to take the next few weeks, however long it takes, and we're going to talk about these goals individually, and we're going to relate them to the gospel, and we're going to relate them to what we are commanded to do by the Lord himself. Amen? Amen. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about the gospel and the Great Commission. We're going to talk about this goal to strengthen our cohesiveness in belief and in practice, and that will not happen without a firm commitment to the gospel and to the Great Commission. You not only need to know what you believe, you need to know why you are to believe it. And we are to believe it for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of what God has commanded us to do with it, and that is to go out and to make disciples.